in Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? You change, you change four score and seven to, to 87? <laughs> oh, that view is tremendous. A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Baccarello. Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning in to episode 55 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. From Laugh-In to Grace and Frankie with many movies and a stop-off for the Magic School Bus, Lily Tomlin has been part of my entertainment life for parts of six decades. There are so many faces and voices that belong to her, but there's one three-word line that makes her instantly recognizable. So, get ready to hear early-stage comedy from Ernestine herself with Volume 55, Lily's Ringy Dingy. The Ice House takes great pleasure in presenting Miss Lily Tomlin. Well, thank you all a lot. How are you? Hello, Miss. Uh, thank you all a lot uh, for coming this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, this album is dedicated to the man who made it all possible, Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> Alex was born in 1847. Following in his father's footsteps, a renowned therapist for the deaf, Alex <laughs> created lots of new techniques for treatment. For instance, every morning he would line up his patients and he would yell and scream at them, what's the matter, you stupid idiots? Why don't you say something? until he'd turned purple. <laughs> then early one evening, he was flying his kite and he discovered electricity. <laughs> well, this just opened whole new vistas to him. And leaving behind his practice and several very bewildered deaf people who never did know who that man was, who <laughs> was always yelling and screaming at them, he worked feverishly day and night until he'd found a way to harness electricity to a distillery for schnapps. <laughs> and immediately he became locally prominent. <laughs> then heady with success, he went to work inventing the telephone. And aided only by his faithful assistant, Mr. Watson, the magic day did arrive. With Mr. Watson in the other room, his head bent auspiciously over the sender, Alex muttered those famous words, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. And Mr. Watson, tears in his eyes, came rushing from the other room, his arms outstretched. And well, God only knows what happened after that. Alexander Graham Bell did kick over in 1922. I, I don't know if it was Mr. Watson, the schnapps, or just what. But he left behind him a monopoly, um, a company <laughs> that has changed the history of mankind forever.
one ringy dingy. <laughs> Two ringy dingies. A gracious good afternoon. This is Miss Tomlin at the telephone company. H have I reached the party to whom I am speaking? <laughs> Mr. Vito? Mr. Vito, you owe us a balance of $23.64. When may we expect payment? P pardon? When what freezes over? No, no. Mr. Vino, Mr. Vito, you are not dealing with just anyone's fool. I am a high school graduate. Now then, when may we expect payment? Oh, Mr. Vino, I don't see why you're kicking up such a ruckus when according to our files, your present bank balance plus stocks, securities, and other holdings amount to exactly three, p pardon? Pri privileged information. Oh, Mr. Beetle. Oh, that's so cute. No, no, no. You're dealing with the telephone company. For instance, as I look through your income tax return for 19... Oh, Mr. Beetle. Mr. Beetle, you don't understand. We are not subject to city, state, or federal regulations. We are omnipotent. Omnipotent. That's potent with an omni in front of it. <laughs> now then, when may we expect payment? Oh, dear me, Mr. Beetle. I'm afraid we're going to have to discontinue your outgoing service. And if we do not receive payment within 10 days, we will send a large, burly serviceman to your home to rip it out of the wall. <laughs> I'd advise you to lock up the liquor. He's a mean drunk. <laughs> now then... Wouldn't you rather pay, Mr. Vito, than lose your service and possibly the use of one eye? <laughs> oh, dear me. You know, Mr. Vito, I, I think we can persuade you to pay after all. I want you to listen to a little recorded conversation. Can you hear that all right? <laughs> That's right, it is you. D do you. Do you recognize that other voice? That's right. And do, and do you remember the basic content of that conversation? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to hear this part again. Oh, Mr. Beetle. Now, Mr. Beetle, if you're interested, we have 96 hours more. Oh, I, th I think blackmail is such an ugly word. Let's just call it a vicious threat. Well, how very nice. It's been a pleasure talking with you. We will await your check. And Mr. Vito, Mr. Vito, there's no reason on earth for you to feel personally persecuted. We, we may be the only phone company in town, but we screw everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that was Mr. Vidal. Such a funny name to say. And before that, the reason she has a job, Alexander Graham Bell. So, why this album? Well, I was quite young when I was first introduced to Ernestine, Edith Ann, and Lily Tomlin. Laugh-In was definitely a show my parents watched regularly. Uh, then she regained some room in my consciousness, consciousness with 9 to 5, uh, where she met her current co-star. 
She starred in All of Me with Steve Martin, one of my all-time favorite entertainers. Of course, once I had my own child, I got to hear her in Magic School Bus, and now she is part of one of the funniest shows on streaming TV today, Grace and Frankie. It's on Netflix. Check it out. I'm so glad my dad had this album in his collection. Not a surprise at all, seeing that he has several other comedians, and he was such a fan of Laugh-In. So this record brings back some great early memories of watching that, what, 15-inch black and white TV soon became color, and knowing the guffaws we would hear from live and audiences when we heard those three words, one ringy dingy. (laughs) But this operator thought she was more than just an operator. A gracious good afternoon. This is Miss Tomlin of your telephone company. How may I, in all humble servitude, be of assistance? You're trying to reach your husband at his office and keep getting a busy signal. Well, perhaps he's using his instrument. An hour and a half. Well, I will check to see if there is mechanical failure. Mrs. Norman, Mrs. Norman, that phone is in usage. Your husband is making an overseas call to Korea, I believe. Oh, oh, he was stationed there during the war. Must have been lonely for you. J- just a minute, let me listen now. Um, Mr. Norman and some woman are talking about your son in Korea. Oh, excuse me, Mrs. Norman, but Bok Choi seems a strange name for a boy from Pleasantville. <laughs> You say you don't have a son in Korea? Well, that's odd. Mr. Norman does. Oh, no. Oh, oh, Mrs. Norman. Oh, Mrs. Norman, I am so sorry. Oh, I am so sorry that you had to learn it this way. But we at the phone company do like to keep families in touch. No, no, no. Mrs. Norman, listen to Ernestine. Turn off the gas. I'll I'll plug you into his line, and you can hear every word the bastard's saying. Listen. Oh... Can you hear all right? Oh, did you hear that? The things they do in Korea you wouldn't even think of doing here. (laughs) No, Mrs. Norman, I've got a great idea. It's just, no, Mrs. Norman, believe me, it's just like a man. They're all animals. Let me call up my cousin. He's a divorce lawyer. We can hook Mr. Norman before he gets off the line. Henry, this is Ernestine. I've got a live one for you. The wife, she's a wonderful woman. I've got her on hold. The husband, I'm not too sure. I think he's with the government. Seems very active in foreign relationships. I'll hook it up so you can get a voice print to use in court. Mrs. Norman, I'm back. Listen, I think we can get you the house, the car, half the business, and the kid in Korea. No. Mrs. Norman, no, don't thank me, dear. Nonsense, don't. It'll be on your next bill. Spinning my dad's vinyl. Take your foot off the stage. (laughs) Nuisance calls. A gracious good afternoon. This is Miss Tomlin. Yes, ma'am. You say a man has been making constant, obscene phone calls to you. What is his name and address, please? (laughs) Oh, you don't. Well, well, just exactly what does he say when he calls? Uh Uh-huh. 
Uh -huh. Yes, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Yes, uh-huh. What, what, wait, what, what's that last part again? Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> wait a minute, He's, he said he was gonna do what to you? <laughs> wait, wait, is that F as in Frank? <laughs> right. Well, I don't blame you getting upset. I mean, making all those promises and then not even giving his name. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Well, that certainly was an obscene phone call. And before that, she tried being the marriage counselor. All right, let's introduce you to the album I have chosen for this episode. Lily Tomlin, This is a Recording. It's on the Polydor label, number 244055. It's on a vinyl LP format released in 1971. It's non-music genre, and its style is comedy. Now, there are no real liner notes, but I'm going to read some of the credits that are on the back of the album. It was produced by Irene M. Pinn, written by Betty Beard, Warren Burton, Alan S. Mannings, Jim Rusk, Donna Sloat and Kenny Hume, Rod Warren, and Lily Tomlin. Photography by Guy Webster. A special thanks to George Schlatter, recorded live at the Ice House Pasadena. Um, all right, let's take a look and see what Discogs.com has set as a value for this. Uh, lowest came in at $0.81, cents, highest at $9.99, with a median at $2.99. It was last sold through Discogs.com on November fifteenth, 2021. Now, I'm going to start adding that when I have that info information because it's cool to see that there is still interest in these old albums and see how long ago that uh, some of them have uh, passed from one person to the other. Now, I found several copies on eBay for $3.99. Amazon had a used one for $3.84 and a collectible for $39.99. Now, my dad's re record is in uh, actually better shape than I expected, so we'll call it good. Not much hiss at all, which helps on a spoken word album especially. The cover is in good shape. It's still very white. There isn't much wear on the cover. There's no marks, no address labels, so I get to call this cover in good condition, and I'll value my dad's record at a buck and a quarter. All right, next up, I wonder if she would really cross a picket line today. Uh, Harry, good afternoon. This is Miss Tomlin at her switchboard. I, ca I cannot talk to the press now. I, I said I cannot talk to you now. Yes, the phone company is on strike. Everyone except the executives and me. I'll have that story for you when it's over. Well, in the meantime, just reprint the stories from our last strike and change the dates. <laughs> A gracious good afternoon, directory assistance, Miss Tomlin on the wire. The business office, that number for the business office is listed in your directory. <laughs> you don't have a directory. Very well, I will switch you and the business office will supply you with one. Business office, Miss Tomlin speaking. <laughs> A new directory? Certainly, they are issued free of charge to our subscribers. Simply flag down any repair truck and they'll throw one to you. <laughs> you. You need installation and repair service? Installation and repair service will be listed in your new directory. Can it wait till then? Very well, I will switch you. Just a moment. <laughs> Installation. 
Installation and Repair Service, Ms. Tomlin speaking. Oh, just a moment, please. At the tone, the time will be 3.23 and 30 seconds. Ding dong. Installation and repair again. Oh, by the way, your three minutes are up. Please deposit five cents for the next three minutes. Thank you. That box sounds pretty full. I'll have to get down there on my dinner break and empty it out. Now then, how may I help you in the midst of the worst strike in our history? A phone installed? Hold on and I'll check. Winds are from the northwest at 20 knots per hour, whatever the hell that means. Yes, sir, I can give you a black wall model and a blue princess and install them myself tonight after work. Oops, just a second. President's office. No, he is not. No, he is not. In the glorious tradition of telephone company management, the president himself is out in a repair truck guaranteeing service to the community. Very well, I'll switch you to customer relations. Hold on, please. Are you still there, black wall phone, blue princess? I'll be right back. Customer relations, Miss Tomlin at the duty desk. You've just been struck in the head by a directory? I'll bet you were standing by the side of the road waving your arms, weren't you? Well, how bad is it? Doesn't sound attractive. You better call an ambulance. Directory assistance will give you that number. Are you still holding Blue Princess? Five cents more. I'll be right back. Directory assistance, Miss Tomlin in the saddle. General Hospital? Certainly, but that number is listed in your new directory, the one that just struck you in the head. Long distance, Miss Tomlin, EC. Madrid? Now that certainly is a long distance. <laughs> just love to do that. Are you still there, Blue Princess? Give me your name and address. Uh-huh. Right, thank you. I'll be out first thing this evening and put those phones in. President's office. Oh, sir, it's you. No, no messages. Oh, but listen, Chief, you've got to be careful where you aim those directories. <laughs> you winged a woman over here on the south side pretty badly today. No. No, I, I don't think anyone knows that it was you. Well, I'll see you when you check in. Times? Give me the city desk. <laughs> city desk? This is Ernestine Tomlin at the telephone company. You know, I think I've got that big story you've been waiting for. I'll be here all afternoon. Be sure you bring a photographer. <laughs> Gracious good afternoon. Dial a prayer. Miss Tomlin in the pulpit. <laughs> And that was a bit strike. Okay, let's learn a little bit about this crazy lunatic, Lily Tomlin. Famed comedian, actress, and writer Lily Tomlin was born Mary Jean Tomlin on September 1st, 1939 in Detroit, Michigan, to parents Guy and Lily Mae Tomlin. The Tomlins had relocated to Michigan from Kentucky just prior to their daughter's birth. Tomlin has one sibling, a younger brother named Richard. As a child, Tomlin admired pioneering female comedians, including Lucille Ball, B. Lilly, I'm a Jean Coca, and Jean Carroll. After high school, she didn't immediately follow a career in show business, but instead enrolled at Wayne State University to study medicine. 
While at Wayne State, she took theater art classes, which inspired her to leave college and start performing at local coffee houses. In 1965, she moved to New York City and began performing at clubs including the Improv, Cafe Ogogo, the Upstairs at the Downstairs and the Downstairs Room, where she opened for legendary singer Mabel Mercer. Tomlin made her television debut on The Gary Moore Show in 1966. She made appearances on The Merv Griffin Show and was a regular on Music Scene. In 1969, she joined the cast of Laugh-In, which catapulted her to stardom. Audiences fell in love with the hilarious characters she created, including Edith Ann, a mischievous six-year-old, and a snarky telephone operator, Ernestine. Tomlin appeared on the show until it went off the air in 1973. After her successful run on Laugh-In, Tomlin went on to star in six television comedy specials that she co-wrote with Jane Wagner. Tomlin and Wagner met in 1971 when Tomlin was looking for a writer to help her develop the character of Edith Ann. They felt an immediate connection, both professional and personal, and became a couple. Tomlin made her film debut in Robert Altman's Nashville in 1975. Her performance as a gospel singer and mother of two deaf children earned her an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Subsequent films included The Late Show in 1977 with Art Carney, Moment by Moment in 1978 with John Travolta and written by Wagner, 9 to 5 in 1980 with Dolly Parton and Jane Fonda, The Incredible Shrinking Woman in 1981 with Charles Grodin and written by Wagner, and All of Me in 1984 with Steve Martin, which is still one of my favorites. Tomlin appeared on Broadway in the late 1970s, then in 1985 to win a Tony Award for her performance in the one-woman show The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, which was written by Wagner. She won her first Emmy Awards in 1974 for writing and producing her own television special, Lily. Tomlin won a Grammy Award for the album you are listening to now, This is a Recording. In 2014, she was given Kennedy Center honors, and in 2017, she received the Screen Actors Guild Life Achievement Award. Tomlin has also done voiceover work for several projects, including playing science teacher Miss Frizzle on the popular animated TV series The Magic School Bus, for which she earned a daytime Emmy. On New Year's Eve 2014, 74-year-old Tomlin and 78-year-old Wagner made it official when they were married in a private ceremony in Los Angeles, California. Appearing on The Ellen DeGeneres Show in January 2019, Tomlin revealed that she had received an offer to come out on the cover of Time magazine in 1975 before ultimately declining. Quote, I just decided that I wasn't going to play their game, Tomlin explained. I wanted to be recognized for my performance, unquote. And I can hardly wait for the rest of season seven, which I do believe will be the final season of Grace and Frankie, although there is a little talk about an eighth season. And if you have Netflix and aren't afraid of a little irreverent humor, then please, by all means, check it out. Now, the second side of this record starts with her heckling someone in the crowd. You have to go to the John? <laughs> do you? Go ahead, walk across the stage. I want to remember this moment always. I've had a lot of inquiries as to Ernestine Tomlin's history. Surprisingly enough, she hadn't always planned to be a telephone operator. Earlier, she'd had her heart set on being a great ballerina. 
Unfortunately, her dance career was cut short. Uh, one morning, she and her mother were having a little breakfast, and her mother dropped a six-pack on her instep. <laughs> Shortly after that, Ernestine packed her bags and went to the city and got a job as an operator at the phone company and immediately established herself as a comer by saying to customers such things as, Go look it up yourself. I've got better things to do. <laughs> and at other times, she would say, The number for the Bijou Theater? You don't want to see that film. It's filthy. <laughs> Well, she was immediately promoted to district representative. <laughs> but the odds are she's headed straight for the top. <laughs> girls, all right now girls, settle down. We've only got a few minutes because we don't want to leave our switchboards unattended for too long. We're all here because we want to present the inspiring drama of telephone company life to people all over America. We've got a really glorious script with song, dance, comedy, and even some living pictures of the biggies in our history. <laughs> yeah, yes, what is it, Phoenicia? Very quickly, we've only got a few minutes. Y yes, I did write it myself, but there are plenty of good parts for everybody, Phoenicia. Well, for instance, you play Mrs. Alexander Graham Bell. And you know Vito, that handsome repairman? He plays Alexander. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> Me? Oh, yes, I do have a part. I play the sexy dance hall girl who is Alexander's mistress and electricity teacher. <laughs> she inspires him to invent the telephone. Now, Phoenicia, I'm not going to argue with you. We don't have the time. There was such a person in real life, and that's all there is to it. Now, listen, girls. The play opens with Alexander. That's Vito with his shirt off. He's, he's arguing with his wife. That's you, Phoenicia. She wants him to give up inventing things and open a paper bag store. Well, he tells her to take a flying leap at the moon, and he rushes to the arms of his lover. That's me. Where they have a brief scene in bed, and then they sing the love duet. Shut up, Phoenicia. Now, Alexander's just about to put his shirt back on when his mistress notices a rip in the sleeve. As she stitches it up by hand in candlelight, he invents the sewing machine and the electric light for her. Phoenicia, I'm not going to tell you again. Now, the next scene is in the cafe where I tap dance the big radio number while Vito invents the wheel. Then a messenger arrives with a note saying that Alexander's wife has just died. That's you, Phoenicia. <laughs> Leaving us free to marry. Well, then Alexander, that's Vito and me, we sing and dance the big finale, during which I inspire him to invent the cotton gin, dry ice, airplanes, and finally the telephone. All right, now, girls, back to your switchboards. First rehearsal is tomorrow night after work. Oh, and Phoenicia, Phoenicia, make her turn around. I want her to hear this. There are no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> Backstage at the pageant, and before that, simply Ernestine.
All right, time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with diving deeper into two of her main characters. In 1969, after a stint as a hostess on the ABC series Music Scene, Tomlin joined NBC's sketch comedy show Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. Signed as a replacement for the departing Judy Carn, Tomlin was an instant success on the already established program, in which in addition to appearing in general sketches and delivering comic gags, she began appearing as the regular characters she created. They became well-known, and she portrayed them outside of the show in later recordings and television specials. Ernestine was a brash, tough, and uncompromising telephone operator who generally treated customers with little sympathy. Ernestine often snorted when she let loose a barbed response or heard something salacious. She also wore her hair in a 1940s hairstyle with a hairnet, although the character was contemporary. Her opening lines were often the comical, one ringy dingy, two ringy dingy, and have I reached the party to whom I am speaking? <laughs> in the sketches, Ernestine was usually at her switchboard taking calls. She occasionally called her boyfriend Vito a telephone repairman, or her pal, Phoenicia, another operator. Edith Ann is a precocious five-and-a-half-year-old girl who waxes philosophical on everyday life, either about life as a kid or things for which she feels she has the answers, although she is too young to fully understand. She often ends her monologues with, and that's the truth, punctuating it with a noisy raspberry. Edith Ann sits in an oversized rocking chair to make Tomlin seem child-sized with her rag doll Doris and often talks of life at home with her battling parents and bullying older sister Mary Jean which, by the way, is Lily Tomlin's given birth name. Edith Ann has an oversized, playfully aggressive dog named Buster and a boyfriend named Junior Phillips, a possibly unrequited love. Only Edith Ann and Doris appear in the Edith Ann sketches. Tomlin reprised the character for a series of sketches on Sesame Street in the 1970s and voiced her in three primetime cartoon specials in the 1990s, including Edith Ann, A Few Pieces, of the puzzle, and the two unforgettable characters from many from this brilliant woman. All right, time once again to make sure she's reached the party to whom she's speaking, but this guy? One ringy dingy. Is this Mr. Hoover? Mis Mr. Jedger Hoover? Good. Then, then I have reached the party to whom I am speaking. Mr. Hoover, this is Miss Tomlin from the telephone company. It is my duty, Mr. Hoover, to discuss with you some of the abuses of your instrument. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it does sound rather un-American, doesn't it? <laughs> now then, Mr. Hoover, I have your file here before me. Oh, yes, I'm sure that you have a file on me, too. <laughs> After all, turnabout is fair play. Yes, it does sound perverted. Now, now then. Mr. Hoover. Mr. Hoover, I have a delicate problem. I find that you and your agents have indulged in the illegal and unfair practice of wiretapping. Wiretapping. Oh, Mr. Hoover, listening to other people's conversations. Oh, how do I know? From listening to your calls, that's how I know. Oh, no. Mr. Hoover, don't be rude. I'll make a loud noise into my mouthpiece and perhaps deafen you for life. Now, 
Mr. Hoover, may I ask, do you have a telephone directory handy? Good. Let us turn to page VIII and recite in unison. It is a crime under both federal and state law to use a telephone for annoying or harassing purposes or to knowingly permit a phone under one's control to be used for such purposes. This includes calls in which the caller remains silent, etc., 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 etc. Oh, you do know the law, Mr. Hoover. Now, <laughs> Jedgar, listen, is there anybody at your place listening in? Everybody, good. Let's get right to the nitty-gritty. There's absolutely no reason for your people to skulk about, electronically speaking. You, you can get all the information you need from us. <laughs> Probably a lot more accurately, too. <laughs> Good. Good, then we will be in touch. Oh, and Mr. Hoover, before you go, I must tell you how much I admire your vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Hello? Mr. Hoover? Well, why do you suppose he got so huffy? I was just being complimentary. Everybody knows there's nothing like a Hoover when you're dealing with dirt. <laughs> the FBI. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Lily Tomlin has long been one of my favorite entertainers, and I'm having such a blast watching Grace and Frankie with my girlfriend. I hope they can get to a season eight. I'll understand if they don't. This record brought back some great memories of sitting in the living room watching Laugh-In, seeing that variety show with a certain twist. I was looking back on a couple of skits during the pilot episode, and there were so many great people to remember. Ken Berry, Judy Carn. Barbara Feldon from Get Smart, Ruth Buzzy, Henry Gibson, Larry Hovis, who was Sergeant Carter from Hogan's Heroes, uh, Art, Artie Johnson, very interesting, and Joanne Worley. Great, great stuff. Now, to finish this episode off, I don't think you really want to confuse these two. A gracious good afternoon. This is your operator, Miss Tomlin. How may I help you? Yes, this is your New Jersey operator. How may I be of assistance? This is Rome calling person to person to Mr. Nunzio Passanello of Nunzio Passanello and Sons Import and Export. Thank you. And may I have your name and the number in Rome from which you are dialing? Well, there's no reason to take that attitude, sir. Well, I don't care who you are. It's simple company policy. Well, if we're going to play 20 questions, I'd say your voice is a little too deep to be Sophie Lauren. <laughs> Pardon, do I have what? No, no, sir. I don't even have a godmother. You're the head of what? One of the world's largest fundraising organizations? Oh, sir. Oh, sir, just a minute. Sir, I, I think I know who you are. Tell me. Do you believe in brotherhood? I thought so. And, and do, do you believe in large families? I knew it. And do you always drive around in a big black car and wear one enormous ring? T two or three big rings. But sir, in all the pictures I've seen of you, you're only wearing one. Oh, your magnificence. What do you mean you don't allow your picture to be taken? Oh, sir, you're shouting. Sir, please, such language. We, we must have a bad connection. 
no, 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 your magnificence. I'm, I'm sure. I didn't mean to. I know you've, you've never had a bad connection. <laughs> sir, sir, you, what is that? You, you'd like to kiss me on the mouth? Oh, <laughs> sir, please. I know I have a seductive voice, but calm yourself. <laughs> I've always admired the beautiful rituals of your institution, but I didn't know you fellows were allowed to do that sort of thing. <laughs> oh, a, a contract? For me? Well, thank you, sir, but I already have a contract with the phone company. <laughs> Listen, Your Grace, I don't want to be Paula Pry, but just what does Mr. Passanello import and export? Religious supplies? <laughs> Narcotics? <laughs> You're putting me on. Pot and pills. Oh, you know, you certainly do have a sense of humor for a religious man. I knew you were a religious man. And I know, too, sir, that you depend a great deal on collections to keep your organization going. I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity to send you a dollar. So, well, the same to you. Well, the same, and up yours twice on Sundays. The Mafia and the Pope. <laughs> and there you have selections from the Grammy winning This is a Recording. So thanks for tuning into Volume 55, Lily's Ringy Dingy, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 56. Sammy is now. Until then, go with the flow, my friends.